You found your way to the intersection of faith and the culture. Thanks for joining us today on Wall Builders. Check out our websites today at wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com, both resources uh, available for you. And by the way, when you're there, consider making a one-time or monthly contribution. Come alongside us. Lock Shields with us when you make that investment in freedom. It allows us to train more pastors, more legislators, more young people. It allows us to add more stations, reach more people, new materials coming out. All of those things are helping to educate and equip the culture and equip people in churches. You know, one of the main things I hear people say it all the time, we need pastors to get involved, we need churches to get involved. Well, what does that mean to say get involved, right? They've got to have the education. They've got to have that biblical and civic literacy. They've got to learn how to influence the culture and be good biblical citizens. That's what we do here at Wall Builders, and you help us reach more people when you make that donation. So please consider that today at wallbuilders.com. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, here with David and Tim Barton. David, of course, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim's a national speaker and pastor and uh, president of Wall Builders. And um, all three of us uh, just looking to serve you and bring you a biblical perspective. So everything we talk about here is we take on hot topics of the day, but we always look at it from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And today it's going to be all about good news. We're going to be sharing good news stories with you from across the nation, most of which you haven't heard almost all of which I haven't heard. That's why I enjoy Good News Friday. And special thanks to Tim and David for the homework and doing the research to find these stories and then share them with us here on Wall Builders. David, what's our first piece of good news today? Okay, guys, I'm jumping into the U.S. Supreme Court term. Now, the term actually started back in October. And so over those first few months, they hear the arguments, they listen to cases, and that's going to be going from now to June. But usually about March and April is when they start coming down with decisions. Well, they've come down with one. It's one of the early decisions, but it's a really good decision, and it deals with the IRS. Now, the IRS, you know, one of the things we've done on Good News Fridays in in previous weeks is talk about what's happened since Republicans got control of the House. And part of that was the first thing they did was say, hey, we're not going to fund those 87,000 IRS agents. And so they stopped that funding, and it's interesting. Here's where, how do you want to say this? You know, it's like a show horse. You got a show horse, and 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 Biden's out there talking about they need greater customer service with the IRS, et cetera. Well, when you looked into the funding, only 4% of the IRS funding he asked for went to customer service. 58% went to enforcement services. So they're really going after taking more money from you rather than being better about how they handle things. But that didn't come out in the news. Somehow CNN and MSNBC didn't report all that. They just talked about the need for more service at the IRS. And it turns out to be enforcement services. This decision from the Supreme Court is a good example of why you don't want more enforcement service. It deals with a man who was in Romania back under the, the, the communist domination, the Soviet Union, the Iron Curtain, all the stuff that was there. He was able to escape from Romania. He came to the United States. He took a job here, became a citizen of the United States under all the communist oppression back before the the Iron Curtain fell, the Berlin Wall came down, that kind of stuff. So when the Iron Curtain fell in 1990, he goes back to Romania and he lives in Romania for the next 21 years. He's back in his home country. He's a dual citizen. He's a citizen of America and of Romania, but now it's a free Romania. He goes back for 21 years. He runs all these businesses in Romania, does a really good job, just very successful businessman, et cetera. As it turns out, 
the IRS has a provision in the code that if you're an American citizen, even a dual citizen, and you live anywhere else overseas, you have to send the IRS notification to your bank accounts overseas, even though not American bank accounts, even though you can't be taxed on them. You have to give all sorts of notification to the IRS about where you are and what you're doing, which, I mean, this just doesn't, doesn't even make sense. If you got no jurisdiction over a foreign account, why should you have to report it, et cetera, et cetera? It's nonetheless. So the IRS has all these provisions, and he comes back to the United States in, in 2011, been running all these businesses for years. He's back here, and he, he does his American accounts and American books, and the accountant says, well, you know, you, there's this provision in the IRS that you really need to report your other foreign accounts. He says, really? All these foreign businesses? Yeah, and, and so he files that, and so it turns out that he missed five years of filing on that. When the law was passed, missed five years. And so the IRS looks at that and says, well, you know, you've had more than 25 different accounts and business accounts and personal accounts over in Romania, and we're going to fine you for each one of those accounts you did not report on. And it's it's there's nothing IRS can do with with anything he has over there, but we're going to fine you for that. And so they came up, grab this, guys, they came up with two point seven two million dollars worth of fines for not reporting his accounts over there that they can't even deal with. So he obviously says, wait a minute, $2.72 in fines for something you can't even enforce? And he takes it to court, and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 IRS can't do that. Uh, there is a maximum of $10,000 that you can do for, for the each year he didn't respond. So the maximum fine is 50000 Well, IRS found a way to come up with $2.72 The good news is the IRS got slapped down on this. The better news is that this is not going to be the standard for what's going forth because of the fact that we got those 87,000 IRS agents defunded. So good news for taxpayers all around. Well, I also hope that maybe in the decision from the Supreme Court, it covered enough expenses that it it, it included the $50,000 that maybe allegedly owed the IRS so that hopefully the IRS was paying themselves for his accounts. <laughs> Wait that, a minute. The IRS doesn't pay themselves. They, they take our money. They, they're robbing our money to pay themselves. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I don't want to pay off this guy's I don't want to pay off those guys either. However, I'm sure they have enough in their budget. They can find it somewhere. Uh, anyway, they can that, get some more agents. That, that, that would help them. Get, that, yes, that would be great. Well, let's, uh, let's get some more of that good news out there. Tim, what's your first piece of good news today? Well, guys, this one is coming out of Pensacola, Florida, and it's Pensacola Christian College. The title of the article says, Christian College Cancels Singing Group's Concert Over Lifestyle That Contradicts Scripture. Now, what the article identifies is there was an organization, a, a acapella group from, uh, some. it says a British group, so I'm guessing somewhere over England or Great Britain, somewhere uh, in that general vicinity. They were known as the King's Singers. And at, at, when I first saw this, I was like, kings, I'm not sure if that means like the king of England or like Jesus Christ being the king. I'm not sure. But they were the king singers. They were going to come perform a concert at Pensacola Christian in February. And Pensacola Christian announced that they were uh, not going to, in fact, hold this performance because one of the individuals in this acapella group openly lives a lifestyle that they identified as being specifically contradictory to scripture in, in their release uh, they explained that they're founded upon and guided by the Bible. This is meaning Pensacola Christian College. They said the college cannot knowingly give an implied or direct endorsement of anything that violates the Holy Scripture, the foundation for our sincerely held beliefs. Uh, the article goes on to point out that actually the university paid the group. They were given a full remuneration, uh, which means financially they were compensated, even though they said that we're not going to host this concert and guys, we have seen in the midst of a political divide, in the midst of 
uh, sometimes a moral divide, a lack of backbone, literally for decades. We've not seen colleges and universities standing up, uh, or maybe even Christian groups in general, and we have seen so much over the last couple weeks. In fact, I've got in my stack of good news uh, things dealing with uh, basketball teams or cheerleaders or all kinds of stuff. We've been seeing people more and more and more having the courage and boldness to stand up And this is just a great example of a Christian university saying, look, we're not going to compromise on the foundation of Scripture, where the Bible says that certain things in a lifestyle are wrong. We're not going to put that person on stage to let them perform and and then give a de facto endorsement of that. And I get some people out there might have different convictions and they might say, look, you know, it's fine to listen to a concert with someone that maybe has a different belief system because you appreciate the gift God's given them and the musical talent and ability. That's totally fine if you have a different conviction. But I really respect that Pensacola Christian has taken a stand saying we don't want to compromise on the word of God with anyone that takes our stage because we want to make sure the people we put in front of our students are people that are representing a, a outwardly biblical lifestyle. And that is, to me, a really encouraging position. Again, something we're seeing all over the nation right now. We have more good news coming on that probably later in this program, but this is encouraging from Pensacola Christian College. And let me pile onto that with one that kind of goes right down that line. I was going to get to this later, but it deals with the fact that, Tim, as you mentioned, we're starting to see some courage in a lot of ways. People are starting to stand for their convictions. It would be easy for Pensacola Christian just kind of blown that off and said, well, it's a big group and there's only one member in it. So overall, it's a Christian group. they, They took a stand and they took a stand. And that's a good message to send to the kids. that Look, there are moral rights and wrongs. And you don't compromise that, whether it's 1 Corinthians 7 or anything else. If you violate one of those moral stands, that's a public issue, and it needs to be a public issue. So good for them for having that conviction. They undoubtedly are going to get criticized over that, but that doesn't matter. They did the right thing on this. Biblically, there's a lot of justification for it. And going with that, we've talked in previous programs about how many churches in the United Methodist Church are leaving because of the position they've taken on marriage and sexuality and et cetera. And and so this continues. And this is one that really struck me as unusual, uh, how deep these convictions are starting to go. And it appears what we're seeing in polling now, it appears that even though most people have been silent about their convictions on gender and sexuality, et cetera, that nearly the the overwhelming majority of the nation is, is clearly on the traditional side, and they're starting to stand up for that. And so the article I've got here deals with the United Methodist Church in Plano. Now, this is why I think it's significant. Plano is one of the more liberal parts of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Anytime you get around a large city in in any state, that large city is more liberal than the rural parts of that state. And I don't care if it's a conservative state like Oklahoma. Tulsa is much more liberal than what you're going to find out in Woodward, Oklahoma, or somewhere else. So the big cities always tend to be much more blue. And it's that way with Texas, our five big cities in San Antonio and Houston and Dallas, et cetera. They're very, very blue. And Plano is one of these suburbs just outside of Dallas. It's it's kind of where wealthy folks have gone for a long time. It's kind of an upper suburb and tends to be that in a place like that, you tend to be a little more liberal uh, than other places. And yet this United Methodist Church of Plano, and it's the big United Methodist Church in Plano, overwhelmingly said, nope, we're not going to be part of this group anymore if this is what they're going to do with gender sexuality. And and this is what really struck me, was when the congregation voted on it, the vote was 859 to 12. 
to only 12 folks in the United Methodist Church in Plano, which is, you know, a really big town that's a really prosperous city. Only 12 said, no, we're going against the biblical position. 859, which again, that's a big church, said, no, we're going with the biblical position. And, and that kind of goes to what you're saying, Tim, with that singing group. We're starting to see a lot of conviction coming out, and that's a really healthy thing for the nation when morals start becoming important again. And it's the exact opposite of what we saw for so many years, right? I mean, for the most part, very few people were willing to take that stand because of the cultural popularity of the of the whole, you know, homosexual movement and and the and the destruction of marriage and all of the things that have happened. So, man, for 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 a church to do it, for a university to do it, and of course, PCC's always been willing to to take heat. But here, it, like you said, it was kind of like I mean, they're, they're, they could have just kind of glossed over it. It wasn't somebody that was going to be there on staff. It was a one time event. It would have been easy for them to find excuses or find reasons. Uh, and they did it in a loving way. I mean, I, I just echo everything y'all are saying. The, the, this is really good news and really and a really good sign. And, and uh, you know, I grew up right next door to Plano, so I didn't know exactly what you're talking about, David. I grew up in Wiley, which is right next door. In fact, we didn't even have a movie theater, so we went to Plano to go to the movies. And um, the fact that a Methodist church in Plano took this position, man, I got goosebumps. I mean, that that gives that is such an encouraging piece of, of good news. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We've got more good news to share. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Wobblers. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity, if you're interested in having a wall builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. We're back on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us on this Good News Friday. We've got a lot more good news coming up. Uh, just a quick, you know, sharing some good news from a, an individual that's been blessed by some of the things we did in February with all of our heroes. It was a, it was phenomenal. And I've heard this from a lot of other people, but one of the emails that came in from Dave Nichols, he said, thank you so much for taking the time to create the biographies of all of our black heroes. We donated them to our children's elementary school and several teachers used them. Thanks so much for all that you do. David and Tim, I think one of the things that really has made wall builders unique and made it stand out over the years is the hidden history the stuff you guys have found and pulled out that was just lost quite literally for you know more than a century in in some cases two centuries in some cases and uh, and bringing those stories forward and it gives people hope it gives them encouragement i mean if you're you know if you're a teenage girl and you hear the story of a Sybil Ludington or a Dicey Langston uh, you realize wow they did that in the revolution at 15 or 16 i could do something you know, if you're a little black boy growing up in America and everybody's telling you if you're black in America, you don't have ownership in the dream. And then you find out about all these great black heroes in the revolutionary period. You look at your nation different. You look at your own life different. So I couldn't agree with Dave Moore. I really enjoyed those stories in, in February, Tim. you I know you put a lot of extra effort into preparing to have that for every day throughout February. But I know that was a blessing to our listeners. Well, we were happy to do it. And uh, we, we did social media videos as well. And it's something that we've already now had people asking us for 
uh, continued series along the way. And I, I've joked with some of our team here. There was there was a lot of research that went into that. There was a lot of, of effort. It was a labor of love. We uh, are looking forward to next February. We can roll out the uh, second series of these uh, black heroes from American history. But uh, at some point, we'll come out with the 56 signers of the Declaration. We'll come out with the 39 signers of the Constitution. We'll come out with uh, some of the early presidents and some of these different individuals. There, there are so many incredible contributors to American history that have largely been forgotten today. Uh, and we really do enjoy retelling those stories. Well, if only we had recorded the ones that you... Oh, oh, wait, we did. That's right. Yeah, that was actually on radio. So, hey, folks, in our archive section, you can go there and watch it or you can go watch the, the videos that were made. Uh, it's all available. So don't you don't have to get upset if you missed our, our February programs. It's all available for you. Go check it out. Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, Tim, you up next? Well, before we do that, Rick, let me just comment that that little testimonial you just gave is, is part of what we hoped would happen. We really believed that if people had some of these resources in their hands, it would get into the schools, it would get into political arenas, that people are hungry for this stuff. And we believe that's what changes a lot of the debate. I mean, we wouldn't be having a CRT debate if we knew the story of black history and those heroes. And so the fact that that got into elementary schools where teachers were teaching their kids about this that's the kind of stuff that'll change the direction of the nation in the future. And that's really what we'd hoped would happen. That's great to hear. Well, in fact, what you're saying, David, is that, you know, the truth is it's the inoculation against the lie. If they know the truth and they're solid in the, in the history and they, and they know the civics and they know the biblical worldview, they won't fall for the lie. But when we don't have when, when we're ignorant civically and biblically, that's the Petri dish where bad government grows, where the, where the lies about who we are as a people and, and what makes a good society, all of those lies tend to seep in because we weren't inoculated, if you will, with truth. So the more we know the truth, the better. And that, I think that's what we did with those stories. Um, and frankly, with, with all the different things that we share here on, on Wall Builder. So folks, share these programs. If you want your community to be stronger, get this information in as many hands as you possibly can. All right, Tim, where are we headed with our next piece of good news? Well, this one's from Vermont. And I, I teased it earlier in the program that we would have other examples of people having the courage to stand up this is from a girls varsity basketball team. The headline says Christian high school girls basketball team takes a stand, forfeits playoff game rather than compete against male opponent. And specifically, this is Mid-Vermont Christian School. They're the Eagles of White River Junction. They're number 12 in the state uh, for their division. And in, in the playoffs, the first round, they're supposed to go up against the number five team, the Long Trail Mountain Lions of Dorset. And they decided to forfeit the first game. Uh, or this first round of the playoffs, because on the Lions, the, the Mountain Lions, they have a biological male on the team who identifies the female and plays on the female basketball team. And this Christian school said that, that that's not what we signed our girls up for girls basketball to do. This is part of the, the statement from their leader. They said, we withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and safety of our players. This is from the head of school, Vicki Fogg from MVCS. Uh, she continued, allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. O on the school's website, this is again, Mid-Vermont Christian School. On their website, they say their mission is to glorify God by preparing students for college and for life through a program of academic excellence established in biblical truth. Uh, on their basketball page for the Lady Eagles, they explain that women's basketball team is a group of young ladies enjoying the sport of basketball while they learn and grow in their faith in Christ. And so this is something from the school. This is very clear where they're coming from from a biblical perspective. Also happens to be biologically correct. God made them male and female. 
and they identified that this is part of women's sports, which one of the the great ironies of what the left does in this movement is they're literally defeating this notion of Title IX, where there used to be an idea that we wanted to protect women, but now we're having a hard time defining women, and therefore, if you can't define women, you can't protect women. This is the hypocrisy and the lunacy of the left, but again, it's so encouraging, not just to see people standing up. It's, it's one thing when people stand up and it costs them nothing. But when you are a, a school and you have competed your entire year to make the playoffs, to have a chance at the state championship, and you get in the playoffs in the first round, your convictions now are in front of you. And you're going to have to decide what you're going to do. And they made the choice that cost them something seemingly significant, but they were willing to do it because of their faith. And this is such an example to us that we should be willing to do the hard thing, even if it costs us something, something significant, an opportunity cost as the case might be. But this is so encouraging and just kudos to that school, to the girls in that basketball team. Uh, Certainly, this is one of the things we believe that there are, are crowns and treasures stored up in heaven for these kind of decisions when you promote godliness and righteousness above temporal and superficial things where Jesus made it very clear. What, what profit is, is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? When you are putting the soul as the number one thing, you are doing the right thing. So this is just a, a great piece of news coming out of Vermont. I feel like our theme today, guys, is courage, 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 courage. All these people standing up, all these people being willing to speak truth uh, to, to the culture right now. So good, good stuff. David, what's our next piece of good news? Next piece comes out of Washington, D.C., and I've been on this since the elections back in, in November since the House flipped control back in January, just looking at the things that are coming out of the House that the national media is not covering. Uh, It's not stuff that is part of the progressive agenda, and most of the national media is progressive. They don't like what's happening, so they're not going to cover it. Just silence is is the way that they they handle with this. But I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And for people who say, well, there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats, no, no, no. Back up. Listen to our previous Good News Friday programs and all the things that are coming out of the House. And you can say, well, it won't make any difference because Biden won't sign it and the Senate won't do it. Well, you know what? That's probably true. But I will point out, and Rick, you remember this back when you're in politics, there's no use in us trying to to do anything with this. No use trying to pass it because it can't go anywhere. The governor's going to veto it or the Senate's going to kill it. These guys are still putting out the right stuff, even though they know it won't go anywhere. And Biden is going to veto it. And Schumer's not going to let it have a hearing in the Senate. This is great. This is courage again. This is this is what we believe. We're going to put it out there. This you know, if and you it want forces to be this, the, it forces the discussion. It moves the ball it down the field. It, it educates does. people. I mean, there's so many positives, even if it's not ultimately going to pass this session. The the stuff that we've been covering for the last several weeks that's coming out every week out of the house is stuff that at least from our standpoint as conservatives and traditional moral people, we love what's going on. We're, we're cheering for this. It's a restoration of constitutional values. It's good stuff. And I've got two more that are happening now. Now, this goes back to the fact that Washington, D.C., under the Constitution, is not separate. It cannot be a state. For those that want statehood for D.C. and the license plate in Washington, D.C. calls for statehood, sorry, that's unconstitutional. You can't be a state. You have to be a separate entity. If you want to be a state, we've got to move the federal government somewhere else. So the Constitution requires that the federal government be in a place that's not part of any state, and that eliminates the jealousy that's between states because you have higher employment where the federal government is, higher income, higher everything. Every state would want that. So uh, this whole thing of D.C. 
it's they have city rules. So back in the cities, Congress said, well, we'll let you guys have a mayor and city council. You can have some self-rule, but we get the final word on it. So and, and what's called the House Oversight Committee, the House Oversight Committee looks at what goes on in D.C. Anything they don't like that's going on in the city, they can kill through the House. And again, it depends on whether Republicans or Democrats are in charge of it. But since Republicans are in charge right now, they're looking at two measures that, that recently got done by the city council. And one measure from the city council in Washington, D.C. said, we believe that anybody in the city can vote in the elections. And that's fine. We're going to let that happen. Now, that's OK for cities to do if it's not a federal election. The federal constitution sets the requirements for federal elections. That's simple. But if a city says we want everybody to vote, that's up to the people in the city if they want to do that. Well, Washington, D.C. did that. But the House said, no, we don't like that. Because you see, Washington, D.C., and saying that everybody could vote, they also allowed the Chinese embassy workers to vote in elections. They, they allowed everybody in the city from every foreign nation, every foreign embassy to have a voice in the elections. And Congress said, no, we're not going to do that. So that's one where the House has stepped in and passed a, a bill that said we're not going to now probably Biden's going to veto that. So they will end up having the Chinese voting in the local elections. But the other bill that came out of D.C. that that turned what the city was doing, the city said, hey, we, we don't like this punishing criminal kind of stuff. And even though we have a skyrocketing amount of crime in Washington, D.C., uh, we're going to lower the, the standards. We're not going to have life in, in, imprisonment for for." typical violent crimes. And so they're just they're trying to make it easy on crime. And again, Congress stepped in and said, no, we're not doing that. This is when we should be upping the, the crime punishment, not lowering it. So two really good things coming out of Congress. Again, they may not get past Biden, but it, it, this is where leadership does make a difference. And there is a difference between Republicans and Democrats, at least right now. And you can see it in things like crime and things like citizenship and, and sovereignty. So good news out of the House. All right, folks, we're out of time for good news today, but there is more at our website. Be sure and check that out today at wallbuilderslive.com. Just go into the archive section, and you can find some more of those Friday programs to get some more good news. You may want to listen to some Thursday programs for those Foundations of Freedom questions that we get from you, our audience. So you can send those into radio at wallbuilders.com, radio at wallbuilders.com. We get to as many as we possibly can, and you can listen to them in the archive section if you missed the live program. And then, of course, Monday through Wednesday, our interviews with all kinds of great folks that are out there in the culture, on the front lines, doing amazing things. God's moving, folks. There's lots of great things happening in America right now. I know you hear the bad. I know there's a lot of bad stuff as well. The reason we like to have these Friday programs and emphasize the good is so that you can see that happening, so that you know that that's happening across the nation. And even in the darkest times, I mean, that's where God likes to show off and just, you know, use the remnant to defeat evil, use the remnant to restore. And that's what's happening in America right now. So learn more today at our website, wallbuilders.com, and then get those archives at wallbuilderslive.com. And when I say learn more, I mean, there's a lot of great tools there available for you. I hope you've done the biblical citizenship class. If you haven't done that yet, get that at wallbuilders.com. Maybe become a coach yourself and host it in your home or at your church. Lots of different ways you can be a part of the solution. Thanks for listening today to Wobblers. We stand undivided forever. Again.